Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us, make us holy, make us saints by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. This morning I want to clear up two incredibly important teachings in Christianity. The first is the image of God, what it means and if we still possess it. The second is related to this, it's how we are made holy or righteous before God. Both of these things are key to understanding and appreciating All Saints Day in the life of the church. All Saints Day is a day, after all, commemorating those who have been made holy. Now, this, there's this perpetual false understanding that, that when someone dies, they, uh, they, they, they go up to heaven and they grow wings like an angel, they start glowing, and they, they, they have this halo appear above them. Um, but none of that is biblical, that's, that, that's, that's not Christianity. Um, rather, to, to understand what it means to be a saint in heaven when we die, we need to understand the opposite end of history as well, what it means to be created in the image of God. It's a common misbelief also today that human beings, all human beings are born in the image of God. This belief is used by some uh, as a comfort for way the, the way they look or feel. It's used by others to justify a sinful behavior. Uh, well, if I'm creating the image of God, then this can't be wrong what I'm doing. You know, 10 years ago, it was common to hear the phrase, well, well God made me this way. Well, now, of course, you, you don't hear that because what's taught in our society at large, what's taught uh, in our public schools is that God does not make you. And in fact, our society says there is no God, and so uh, there is no intrinsic good about the way that you were created. You weren't created, after all. Uh, therefore, you can and should change who you are. Because who you are, whether male or female, well, it's not good. What matters is how you, how you think about yourself. This is what so many people today, particularly young people, are taught. The idea is that it will somehow help with mental health, but it, it does the exact opposite. It's a burden, because there's no end. When will you ever be good enough? When will you ever change yourself, uh, your, your body, your uh, whatever, uh, to feel good enough about yourself? There's this, there's this incredible amount of pressure in our modern society that our modern, modern society puts on us uh, about this feeling good with no end in sight. All Saints Day, I think, speaks to the heart of our modern issues for this reason. All Saints Day has to do with being good enough. And not just being good enough, but being holy and perfect. The biblical term for all this is righteous or just holy, or in Latin, saint. Now, the reality is we've lost, we've all lost the image of God. Since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, every single person has 
been born not in the image of God, but in the image of fallen man, in the likeness of Adam. We've lost the true knowledge of God. We've lost the perfect righteousness and holiness that, that God intended us to have. Our epistle lesson for this morning for all saints from 1 John 3 is proof of this. John writes, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Well, if we shall be like him, then that means that we aren't like him right now. Uh, we will possess the image of God. We shall possess it again. Uh, we will be like him, but we don't have it now. This is why there's this desire in us to actually be better. As we commemorate and think about our loved ones who have died in the faith, there's this recognition that things are not as they were meant to be. But unlike the world, which puts all the burden on you to be better uh, and to change things to make it better with no end in sight, All Saints Day actually shows us the end. It gives us the end. A promise of how things will be all fulfilled in Jesus. Now, although we have lost the image of God in fullness, that doesn't mean that we're worth nothing or that we have no intrinsic value. We still do confess in the creed, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he's given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still preserves them. Although we have lost the image of God, what God does give us, our, our bodies, our souls, our, our reason, senses, it's all a gift, freely out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. My body, even though it's lost the image of God, is still created by God. My eyes, my ears, my members, my reason, my senses, all these things that I, that I maybe wish were better or different, uh, uh, this is true for, for, for the person in the nursing home that, that wishes their mind was better. It's true for the young person who wishes their body was different. The Apostle John says the same. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. What a gift. We don't deserve to be called children of God. We don't deserve to be the children of God, but we are. God delights in calling us his children because he is our father who created us and loves us and has put his name on us, his seal on us. But John continues, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We know what we are now. We're children of God. But we can't even comprehend what we, what we will be, what we shall be. We will have the image of God once again. And there's the sense in John that, that, that we'll actually have more blessings than Adam lost. That we'll have more than Adam lost. The Beatitudes... Our gospel lesson give us a picture of this. These, these beatitudes, these blessed are those statements from our gospel lesson, these are, these are really profound. 
You know, most people mistakenly read these Beatitudes as a, as a to-do list, as an extension of the law. Right? If you want to be blessed, uh, you need to do this and this and this. You need to be peaceful. You need to make peace. You need to uh, uh, love one another. You need to uh, be sad all the time. You need to mourn. Right? But that's not what these are. These are blessings. These are blessings. These are promises from Jesus to those who are poor in spirit, to those who do mourn, to those who are meek, who are merciful, who, who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers. These are all virtues of being a Christian and things that the world persecutes and despises. The world says that you're blessed if you have nothing to be sad about. Right? If, 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 you, if you have enough, uh, if you have your health and if you have nothing to worry about, if you are good enough, if you feel good, you're blessed. But Jesus says, you're blessed if you don't feel good. You're blessed if you mourn. Because unlike the world, you actually have comfort in the resurrection of the dead. You know, at funerals, we tend to focus and remember people for the things that we liked about them. You know, how funny they were, uh, how much they liked the Green Bay Packers or, or whatever. But the Beatitudes are a picture, really a picture, of our loved ones who are in heaven. These are the qualities that we should remember our loved ones for. Not because they were so funny, but because they endured in the faith until the end. Now, the Beatitudes are, are wisdom literature. And because we don't possess the wisdom of God, we'll never fully understand what, what these statements mean until we get to heaven. Uh, but there's a stylistic thing in the Beatitudes here that helps us uh, understand them. There are two groups of these blessed are those statements. Each of them with three blessings followed by one more. And, the, and the, the fourth that follows each group of three has to do with righteousness, with holiness, with being hallowed or being a saint. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And which circles around to the very first promise Jesus gave about uh, those who have the kingdom of heaven. There's this culminating reality then that righteousness is really the main thing. We are declared righteous. We are declared to be saints on this side of heaven, but we are still sinners. We do still live in a sinful world. And so all of our lack then is actually a lack of righteousness. So whether you wish you're, you were seven inches taller, you know, like me, uh, or you wish that you had a better parking spot, or you wish your, your wife or husband loved you more, or you wish that your body was somehow different, or, or, or you wish that your loved one or, or, or friend was still with you, whatever lack, however big or small, what's really missing is a lack of righteousness. What's really missing is that I'm not holy. And what's causing me pain then is not what's happening to me now, uh, not what I can sense, not what I can feel or think, but a lack of righteousness. Uh, the way I respond to, to whatever with, with despair or with covetousness or with lust or greed or anger or self-righteousness works of the law. What I lack is what Jesus has won. If I'm mourning, 
I'm mourning because I'm missing my loved one and I wish she were still with me now. I'm lonely for her and her company. That's a legitimate response and emotion. Yet at the same time, in Christ, on the last day, the day when he is revealed, when we shall be like him, when we shall see him as he is, that lack will be gone. We will not mourn, not merely because we will be with them again, but because we will be righteous. And because we will be righteous, and all those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be, will be, will be filled and righteous, that we will be together in the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're lacking, righteousness that will be fulfilled in Jesus. And if we're lacking right now, then we're blessed. We simply cannot see the reality of what things are. We cannot see the world as God sees it. We cannot see ourselves as God sees us. We cannot see Jesus as he really is. But we will. So blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you if you are persecuted because you are pursuing righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. Blessed are you if you desire to be better, who long for the perfect image of God. Blessed are you who mourn, for you shall be comforted. Find your comfort then. Find your fulfillment, your righteousness, not in your work or what you can do or change, but in Jesus, who changed everything for you. Jesus, who died and overcame death by rising again. Jesus, the righteousness of God, who became sin for you so that you, a sinner, might be made a saint. And once again, that you might possess the image of God. So this is your hope. You are declared righteous, a saint, right now, by faith in Jesus. But soon you will be perfectly righteous, without sin. You will be as pure as Jesus is pure. Not by anything you can do, but by faith in Jesus. This gives us hope then for our lives even now. Even though things aren't like God intended them to be, even though the world is not the way God intended it to be, even though we would like things to be different, the burden is not on us. And this world is not the end. Righteousness is a gift declared to us now as children of God, promised to us in the fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven. So for all this, let us thank and praise and serve and obey him. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.